Welcome to Mainly Matters. This is Colonel Retired Jack Mosier for Military and Veterans Affairs. Today is part three of our six-part series on veteran service organizations in the great state of Maine. Today, we're very fortunate to have Kelly Roseberry, physical therapist and program director for the Travis Mills Foundation. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Jack. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time today. And I have to tell our listeners that we have Emma with us today, too, as a six-month-old. Uh, she's nearby, so we may hear from her. I hope we do. <laughs> and uh, well, we just have a quick agenda today to go through this incredible story of the Travis Mills Foundation and the Veterans Retreat, which is located in Rome, Maine. And uh, it's doing God's work every every day out there. I'm very fortunate to be a small part of it, but we'd like to hear a lot more about it. So can you tell us just really a little bit about the Travis Mills story for those who may not know who Travis Mills is? Sure. So Travis Mills is one of five surviving quadruple amputees from the recent Wars on Terror. And he was injured in April of 2012 and lost portions of all four of his limbs. And so, as you can imagine, the rehab for that um, is a steep climb from the beginning. And uh, I was fortunate to be a physical therapist at Walter Reed when Travis was injured. And so he came in and anybody who was working in that clinic uh, became very familiar with him and his wife, Kelsey, and daughter, Chloe. Um, He had his in-laws were there. Kelsey's parents were with him. And so as he was going through his rehab, he was able to take trips and, you know, do some fun sort of recreation sort of things. And Kelsey was able to go with him. And he realized very quickly, due to the nature of his injuries, Kelsey was able to be there, but not everybody had that luxury and that ability to bring their loved ones with them. That support system is so important, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And they were, you know, his driving force behind wanting to get better. He wanted to be the best husband that he could be, the best father that he could be. And so... Kelsey and Chloe were really important um, and had important roles in that. And so um, the foundation actually started as um, raising some money to send backpacks of care packages downrange to other service members that were deployed. And it sort of picked up steam It involved the governor and it got bigger and bigger. And what it has evolved into today is being um, we have a completely barrier free um, retreat facility in Rome, Maine. So we bring eight families at a time to the retreat. We can hold up to 30 people, um, for a week in the summer. And, uh, we're operating in all four seasons now, and we're able to give them just a week of relaxation and lots of different opportunities for various adaptive sports and, um, activities. So everything from yoga and massage and art classes to, kayaking and fishing and a high ropes course and, um, you know, really just give them the tools to be able to stretch their imagination a little bit on what they may or may not be able to do. And then hopefully connect them with an ability to do that once they leave here, um, as well. It's amazing, really. And, 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 and truthfully, it's, it's unique in many ways in that it does include the families, for example, and people come from all over the United States, not just from the state of Maine. Correct. So we, um, this year already, even in a COVID year, have served 44 families already. Wow. Um, yeah. And we, you know, they come from across the United States. We even have somebody coming this coming summer from Alaska. Um, and yes, the part that 
makes this foundation and this facility different from most others is that it's not open only to the veteran. It's open to the veteran and their families because we recognize that an injury to someone, you know, affects the family as a whole and every member of the family differently. And so we bring them all here and sort of level the playing field and let them, you know, enjoy a week together where kids can see other service members with injuries um, and vice versa. And they really um, sort of can bond over that. It, it is. It's really its own. As, as, as close as the veterans community is, this is kind of a, a community within a community in that they, they share many of the same injuries and uh, right. they come from all over the place. And it's just amazing. If, if people haven't been out to the retreat to see it in person, you have open houses, don't you? We do, and we're looking to resume being able to do them. Uh, they've sort of, COVID has put a hold on them for the time being, but we're looking um, sort of end of summer to be able to uh, resume giving tours and letting people see the facility and all the all that that has to offer. We've expanded. We've had some you know, big projects in this last year to take advantage um, and find a silver lining to COVID. While we didn't have participants here, we were able to make some improvements on the facility, build a basketball court, a tennis court. Um, so yeah, we've got lots to see. So we're hoping by September of this year, 2021, that we're able to to bring people back for some um, tours. Yeah, I hope. I hope. And, and if, if people, you know, as people are listening, they have to make that commitment to to going and actually seeing for the, with their own eyes, bringing their families with them to see this incredible facility and the amount of thought, engineering that has gone into this this place to make it adaptable and 100% accessible to to everybody that comes there it's amazing right and as a physical therapist if i can't adapt somebody to adapt an activity to meet the needs of any person who comes through the store it's my mission to fix that and immediately invite them back uh to try again i hang my head low if i if somebody stumps me when they get here it, it's really amazing the amount of innovation. I mean, as as a as a business person, just looking at the amount of ingenuity, innovation, and just the motivation behind making it that safe place for every single person that arrives there is just incredible. Thank you. We take that is not an accident. We take a lot of pride in being able to to do that. It, it's amazing because you know, as 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 the the light continues to be shine on people who need uh, special adaptions and everything. Uh, it's it's amazing how larger society is still not there yet. Having taken people in a, in wheelchairs out to, to lunch and so forth, just to see from that person's perspective, how difficult it can be to enter a restaurant, go between tables. I mean, it's exactly. just, it's amazing. We, I thought we were exactly. kind of by that, especially after this, after this time frame. But we yeah. still have a long ways to go, I think, within our society of addressing some of these challenges. Absolutely. So how, how did you become directly involved in the foundation, as, especially now as the program director, which is a huge job? It's, yeah, so I actually, um, I was in the right place at the right time with the right people. I was a physical therapist at Walter Reed in what's known as the MATSI or Military Advanced Training Center, which is where um, the amputees from these recent wars were treated. Um, it was the biggest in the country uh, and arguably the best in the world in terms of amputee care. And Unquestionably, um, unquestionably the best in the world. I, 
I had been there um, since 2010. So in the height of the war, where we were getting three plane loads a week of patients coming in um, and needing attention and needing to be treated. And the pace of that clinic life will hopefully never be matched. Um, Hopefully there's never a need to match that again. But as the global war on terror had sort of um, slowed down a bit, the number of people being injured were decreasing and that offensive was decreasing that I was looking for what was the next step going to be sort of thrill seeking of, you know, how can I challenge myself just as much? And, you know, I'm a believer that rehab is a lifelong process. And so I was fortunate to do an internship at the hospital in Germany. So I would see guys within 24 hours of their injury and being blown up and then treating them at Walter Reed within a few days of their injury. And then this seems like the logical next step. Travis knew that I was looking for, you know, what was going to be next? Where was I going to go next? And being in a typical clinic environment was never going to be as challenging or rewarding. And so this made sense as the next step of it's the next step in their rehab um, to sort of be able to adapt things in their real world and um, to be able to help them sort of find their place. Um, And it has been an absolute joy. It's my pleasure. Well, I can see that as a, as a huge passion for you, without a doubt. And, and historically speaking, if we look at, you know, uh, past conflicts and, and warriors who have, who have sustained these types of injuries, I mean, it was always kind of a foregone conclusion that they would be confined to a wheelchair, that they would have really poor prosthetics, even if they were even available at all mm-hmm. in those days. But the technology has really risen to the challenge of this. I was able to go to the New York yeah. City Adaption Center where they build these prosthetics and so forth. It's, it's no longer, you know, right. an, an idea that they're not going to live perfectly normal lives standing up in, in, the, in what is supposed to be the, a, a person's natural, you know, posture and, and, and right. being able, and, and I was able to go to Walter Reed, which is again, one of the greatest places in the world that does this, including the C. you know, this is back when I was still serving and I was advocating recovery programs, but being able to yeah. see the, the, the facilities, the, I mean, it's just amazing how you, how you start with, how, how do you teach a, a, a person who's been so badly injured ideologically and motivation wise and how do they go from that that injury brought to landstool then into walter reed what is the progression that led to travis in eight years from his injury to now being he drives he walks he does everything where, where yeah and so a lot of that is personal motivation you know the patients come in with they still have their personalities. They're cognitively intact. And so, you know, they may look different on the outside, but on the inside, they have to make the leap from being an independent service member who is just deployed doing, you know, an incredibly important job to now maybe they need help going to the bathroom or they're confined to a bed. And so, you know, you have to acknowledge that with them. Um, my step one always was, what are your goals? You know, are your goals to run a marathon? Are your goals to walk your daughter down the aisle, to stand up and brush your teeth? Like, what is it that you want to be able to do? And then everything that I am going to do with you is going to get you there. And if you decide somewhere along the way that 
you're going to change your goals, that's fine. We can make it, we can, you know, adjust as, as needed. Cause sometimes, you know, the goal that the first goal that they have when they first essentially come out of a coma or wake up is, you know, I want to go back and it's like, okay, if I squash that goal from day one, they're not going to have a whole lot to say or want to work with me. So instead it's like, all right, that's the goal. So what do we need to be able to do to do that? We need to be able to walk and then we need to be able to run and, you know, crouch down and carry someone else and, you know, avoid fire and all of those kinds of things. And somewhere along the line of working on those tasks, they change their mind on their own, um, which is fine and appropriate and the right way to do it. And so, you know, you figure out what makes that person tick, what motivates them. Like for Travis, it was his family. You know, he wanted to be able to be functional enough in his legs that he could travel and do motivational speaking and, you know, teach Chloe how to do things as she was growing up. Um, so you just have to sort of look at them as a person and not as an injury and then figure out how to use that to your advantage. Well, I noticed at the foundation, you don't call people amputees, for example. <laughs> and there's a reason right. for that. There is. And we call them, um, Travis doesn't like to be considered disabled. Um, he considers them recalibrated warriors, not wounded warriors. He's like, I'm not wounded anymore. This is as good as I'm going to get. I've recovered. This is my new normal. Um, and so, you know, we refer to them as recalibrated warriors, but it's, you know, you're not defined by your injury. Like my husband is also an amputee or he's missing a leg. So you could say, you know, he's a right leg amputee, but you also, you know, he's a husband, he's a father. He also works for the foundation. He was a career soldier. He had all kinds of titles aside from his injuries. So it's important to acknowledge that I think with people. And so, you know, around here, if you're missing a limb or you have a bad back or you're in chronic pain, like you're a dime a dozen around these parts. And so they, you know, tease each other back and forth. And that's just kind of the normal around here. And so it doesn't make you any different than anybody else. It's not accepted as an excuse. And so instead it's sort of, you know, they can draw strength from each other and not everybody can have a bad day on the same day. And so, you know, it creates that camaraderie to sort of, excel on their own it is it is amazing just sitting around the table time flies with these recalibrated warriors is so uplifting because they have such great senses of humor and just listening to them talk to oh, each other yeah. everybody makes fun of the air force just like just like normal you know <laughs> yep yep they'll but, make fun of the air force they'll make fun of um if you're missing one leg below the knee they'll call you a paper cut like, oh, you're just a paper cut. And it's like, in the real world, missing a foot is a big deal. But to somebody like Travis, missing, you know, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven major joints, uh, paper cut, like that, which is what my husband is. He's missing one leg below the knee. He's like, ah, you have a paper cut. No big deal. Like, you barely count. <laughs> it is it's amazing. Uh, but that's something they can say to each other. I would never say that to them. But they can say that to each other because they have the ability to do that, the credibility to do that. No, it's amazing that that having them together in the same space is 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 such an important part of that, of that ongoing relationships that they clearly have. I mean, how many of the people that come to the Travis Mills Foundation are repeat, like they come back, I mean, they're repeat visitors? Um, I would say greater than 95% of right. them want to come back. 
um, and try to come back. It just depends on um, our availability. In in a normal year to year, we try to keep the number of returning participants per week to somewhere around twenty percent. And then if we can't fill that with new people, then we allow more than that, more than that to come. But we want to be able to keep our doors open and encourage new people, um, you know, to come and to experience that and to learn and to go home and to try to implement those things. Um, so we try to limit a little bit, but right now and with COVID and with doing virtual programming and then being able to open back up this summer, um, it's sort of a free-for-all. Anybody's allowed to apply. <laughs> I understand. And and how do people apply if they want to come to the to the Veterans Retreat? So at any point year-round on our uh, website is a link for a request to an application. And so they fill that out as a sort of pre-screening tool. Eligibility for our family programs is that they're a post-9-11 veteran with a permanent physical disability. And then we also have another program that's new for those more um, invisible wounds uh, called the Warrior Path Program, which is a partnership with the Boulder Crest Foundation. And so they, um, that's what Emma thinks about Hi, Emma. I like it. She's, she's <laughs> contributing so well here. <laughs> <laughs> Those, um, the requirements for that program are that they're a post-9-11 veteran um, that has uh, combat experience. So they don't necessarily have to have been in direct combat, but in support of a combat mission. Um, and we do take some first responders for that program as well. And the application for that program the whole application is available right on our website under the Warrior. There's a tab for Warrior Path. I'm looking at um, it right so now, we, actually. The, the, by the way, that's yeah, TravisMillsFoundation.org, so right? TravisMillsFoundation.org. So people can apply to that one year-round. And then for the family programs, we have that request that's open year-round. And then we screen those. <laughs> we, we screen those applications um, and the application itself for our family programs is only open a few times a year. So if people have met the screening process, they get basically put in a holding pattern until the next round of applications goes out and then they'll receive that. If they're not eligible for it, but they still fill out some information, they will get an email from us with some other resources that they might either qualify for or that might be more appropriate for them if they don't qualify for our programs for one I reason see. or another. Okay, well, I'm looking at the the website right now, which is travismillsfoundation.org, which is a really intuitive, easy-to-use website with tons of great information on it. I love it. I'm looking at it right now, and it has all those tabs right at the right at the top for sure. That's good. Do you know? Do you have a number of the number of veterans you've already been able to serve there? The to- I as a totem is I do, to- <laughs> and I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head. I know in 2020 we served 205 families, which was wow. our largest year by nearly 30 percent, despite the pandemic. Um, I could get you those total numbers it's, off the top okay, of my head. Kelly. I'm not it, remembering. It's hundreds and hundreds of veterans that, w- that we're talking about, and their families, of course, and their families. Yeah, and that's the most important thing. We so we're up to operating about 30 weeks a year. Um, at the retreat. And then given the the twist that COVID has given us in the last year, I think moving forward, we will keep a piece of our virtual programming on the schedule um, in times of year where Maine maybe isn't the best place to visit, like in the middle of mud season. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, 30 weeks a year is um, 
is pretty fully operational for for the building, for the grounds, um, to allow us to still continue to expand and to grow in sort of those off times. I mean, the COVID has been a very difficult time for for everybody, actually, but for for the veteran service organizations that I've been speaking with, <clears throat> excuse me, many of them have to be completely shut down. I mean, closed during this time period. So I'm excited to hear that you've been able to continue to serve serve our veterans yeah, so even during we, COVID. Um, right. So we pivoted essentially, which is what you know most people did. We were able um, main shut down, I think a week after we finished winter programming in 2020. So we were able to get through our winter just like normal. Everybody that was supposed to come was able to come. And at the time we didn't have anything else scheduled for until Memorial day. So for a couple months, so we thought we'd be, you know, good to go by then. And as we all know, that's not <laughs> didn't how happen, it did it? Not at all. No. And so we, um, ended up canceling our summer season last year, but we were able to, roll out a recalibrate program where we provided financial aid and assistance to all of the families that were scheduled to come. So everything from, you know, helping them get a bike trailer so they could go ride bikes with their families or provide a grill because that's the only way the veteran knew how to cook to help their wife. And now they're cooking everything at home and um, helping with groceries, helping with home improvements, replacing carpets with hardwood floors, um, just lots of different things to meet the different needs that people had now that they all of a sudden were out of their regular routine. We provided gym equipment and home workouts. We did lots of um, virtual programming, you know, running, we have book clubs now and weekly workouts and the chef would do fun cooking classes. And we just tried to keep them engaged as much as we could, both with us and with each other, um, knowing that they, you know, we're sort of in a, different world of isolation at this point. It's um, true. It's true. To try to help with that as much as we could. And then in the fall, in this past winter, we provided, we called them weekends at home where we would send a box of supplies and then we would run virtual programming with them over the weekend on zoom and send them all the supplies. So we did art classes and yoga and fun little kid workouts and all kinds of things. <laughs> It's, it's amazing the effort that you guys have put into this when so many truly just closed their doors and kind of didn't, they didn't throw in the towel, but they just looked at the obstacles. And of course that social isolation is so, so difficult for many of our, our veterans and their families. So it's incredible right. that you went to that, those lengths to, to continue to uh, include them and reach out to them and make, let them know that there's a support system for them through this difficult time. Right. And I think, they're installing internet here. Let me, um, cause now they found me in the retreat. Let me walk downstairs real quick. Okay. Um, sure, anyway, can you hear that drilling? A little bit, but it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Hang on. The most Hang important on, thing is we hear you. That's the important thing. <laughs> I know, but I think you're about to lose it. So give me just a second. <laughs> I'm really excited to hear also about the PATH program because the physical injuries are, are incredibly right. important, but you know, we have a lot of veterans, you know, hundreds of thousands out there from this, this multi-generational uh, group of veterans that, uh, that do suffer from the invisible uh, wounds of war as well. Right. Right. Okay. I am back. Um, okay. And I forget what your question was. I well, just, I had gone upstairs and then all of a sudden they 
are installing new internet and they found me and they were drilling in the wall of the room I was in from the outside. And I was like, well, this is only going to get louder. <laughs> That's true. No, well, just we were talking about COVID and, you know, how you've been able to c- continue your mission despite the incredible obstacles oh, that right. that presented. And and what what is the recovery plan look like? We're all kind of like getting our vaccines now and starting to kind right, of maybe start right. starting to maybe see the, some light at the end of the tunnel here. What, yes. what's so next? We're for- looking sh- we're looking straight for the light and we're ready to go. So we're gonna um we're keeping some positive blinders on and we're hoping that as we go <laughs> through this this reopening, these reopening phases that everything goes smoothly. So the plan right now is to run eight weeks of programming in person with full families this summer, starting at the end of June through the middle of August. Um, we're going to do, you know, some modifications. Um, masks will be required, social distancing as much outside as we can, slightly lower numbers. Like we'll have in the 22 to 24 number of participants at a time instead of closer to 30. Um, right. So we're doing, you know, we're going to implement some extra safety features, but, you know, we're going to, we're going to get the doors back open this summer. And we had over a hundred applications in the first 24 hours of the application being open. So people are ready to go. They want to go, they feel safe to go. So we're going to, we're going to hope for the best. Oh, for sure. I mean, we've seen uh, the same type of uh, operational tempo here at Gold Star Outfitters, where people want to get outside and out of their houses and back to their friends. And I think uh, Paul House has seen that up at House in the Woods. Project Healing Waters is doing likewise right now. So I'm really looking forward to getting at least to a new, new normal if we, if we can, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's exciting. And we, you know, yeah, as part of, you know, when these guys and gals are injured, like, that's what we preach to them in the clinic from day one is this is your new normal. Like, you know, you are always going to have to wake up and put a prosthetic on before you can walk, you know, down the hall. Like that's, that's your normal. So we're not going to worry about any other detail. And so now if the new normal is we're going to put a mask on before we can be around other people, then fine. I think we're at the point now where people are more than willing to put a piece of fabric on their face in exchange for, you know, a real hug from someone or having a beer with a buddy or, you know, any of those kinds of things that people are just ready for that now. They are. And of course, in an environment where adaptation is normal, so to speak, that's, that's, that's not mm-hmm. going to be anything new for the Travis Mills Foundation at all. They, they do that as a matter of just the way that you, you operate all the time. And We're getting real good at that. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the things that I wasn't aware of when I began um, volunteering there was the duration that that some of the recalibrated warriors have had to go through with multiple surgeries in preparation for their prosthetics and the recovery from their injuries. Right, right. I mean, dozens yeah, they, in some cases. Oh, some of them are, you know, well over 100 surgical procedures. And it just depends on the, the nature of the injury, the extent of their injury, complications that may have risen, you know, I have treated patients anywhere from, you know, three to six months all the way up to, you know, two plus years. It just, it depends. And it also depends on what their goals are. You know, do they want to become a walker? Do they want, or do they want to be as functional as they can be in a wheelchair? Do they want to do, you know, I've had Paralympic, Paralympian caliber athletes by the time they leave. And, you know, it just, it depends. And, and amputations is just one 
of the types of injuries that we serve. You know, they have, we have people that have brain injuries and have chronic pain issues and back, you know, backs that have been beat up for years and years and people with vision issues or hearing issues, you know, the, the, the range is enormous. And so to be able to, you know, take one single activity like a ropes course and make it appropriate for a quadruple amputee or a paraplegic or a blind person with a vision impairment, you know, that's, that's tricky. And it takes a little bit of, of skill that it's taken us a few years to get, but ultimately we feel pretty prepared to be able to accommodate for just about any need that comes through our doors. Well, I think we've learned, and, and you have led the way on this, that there is always a way. I mean, Travis's own you know, ideology is to never give up and never quit. And right. I can see that the foundation never gives up and never quits. Right. It's not in our blood, that's for sure. If there is a way and somebody is willing to learn with us, we will find it. Always. I, I've seen that with my own eyes for sure. Is there any big projects that are coming up at the foundation that we should know about? We do. We have a really big project coming and it was delayed because of COVID, but we are breaking ground on September 11th this year on a health and wellness center. So we're going to build a 10,000 square foot, essentially wellness center that will have an indoor pool, a gym facility, a large fitness room, um, state-of-the-art laundry facilities, our massage rooms will be in there. Um, so what it will do is allow us a number of things to be able to extend into parts of some of the seasons where the weather is less than ideal outside. Um, we'll be able to you know, teach someone how to swim. We'll teach people how to use regular gym equipment. There will be very few adaptations in what we have to offer. And instead it'll be all about teaching people how to use it in an adaptive way so that when they go home, they can go into any gym in the community and they'll know how to get themselves on and off weight machines or a treadmill or a hand bike or whatever it is they want to do. Um, so we're really, really excited that, um, shovels are going in the ground in September. So that should be ready by the summer of 2022 when we bring families next summer. I can't wait to see the plans for that. That's going to be groundbreaking on September 11th. September 11th. Yep. And so, Perfect. you know, keep your eyes out on us for all of that information. will be put out in the next few weeks for, um, you know, information both on the groundbreaking, more information on the building itself, how you can, you know, be a part of it or donate or whatever, you know, people feel called to do if they want to, you know, just follow along with the progress. We're, beyond thrilled at the opportunities that that will allow us to provide to our veterans and their families. It's, it's amazing. And I only have one question left, Kelly, and I'm so thankful for your time today. And for Emma, you have the best baby on the planet, by the way, (laughs) she is just the (laughs) best little girl to to calls while she's in a, in a pack being walked around. (laughs) I bet she has. I mean, what, what can people do to get involved and help at the Travis Mills Foundation by providing support, volunteering, resources? Yeah. So there's, you know, all of those ways. We have an army of volunteers that are just the greatest humans you'll ever meet that help from everything from, you know, doing laundry and cleaning rooms to, being a guide on the ropes course or on a kayak or help with fishing and cooking meals, rides to the airport, 
you know, really there's a place for anybody with any talent that is interested in physically being here to help. Um, if people are further away or that's just not something that they're able to do, um, you know, donating is always an option. You can do that right on our website. It's a big old donate. The, there's a big donate tab right on there. Yeah. And they can also donate through our, like Facebook. I think you're linked, you're Facebook, linked on yeah, that. So, right. So we have, for birthdays um, like right like now, that. for example, we have um, a campaign open. We do a Miles for Mills 5K traditionally in person here on Memorial Day. But this year it's virtual. And so you can sign up for free to participate in that. You can do some fundraising that way. You can donate to somebody somebody else's fundraising page. But you also, you know, our, our greatest asset is just word of mouth. And so just spreading the word of, you know, hey, this organization exists. This is what they do. You know, it will trickle down and it will find its way to somebody that needs to see it, needs to hear it, needs to know about it. And that's, you know, our greatest strength is being able to have somebody recommend it to someone else. Um, and then once they come, then they go home and tell their friends about it and their friends tell their friends. And, you know, that's how the word gets out. So really there's an innumerable way, number of ways for people to be able to, you know, support, keep an eye on us, spread the word, share the news, donate, volunteer, stop by and say hi at an open house event. Um, you know, keep your eye on Travis. He does a lot of public facing things and, you know, see what he's up to. All of that is helpful. Well, that's that's all in, incredibly important, like I said, and it's it's an it's an incredible opportunity volunteering at the foundation, providing support, raising money. Sometimes resources are helpful, depending on what the, the foundation might need at that particular time and place. But Kelly, thank you so much for spending time with me today and talking to our our listeners. Uh, mainly matters about the Travis Mills Foundation. It's been a great chance. To, I've, I've learned even more about it, even though I'm a part of it as a <laughs> We're volunteer. We're thankful for you know your assistance as a volunteer and providing activities for our veterans and their families when you're when they're here. And you know we look forward to staying involved in the community as much as we can and with their community events and as we embark on you know building this this new structure here and and expanding even more. We just you know foundations like ours are nothing without community and volunteer support. You know, we couldn't do anything that we do without that. And so, you know, we're incredibly thankful to get the word out on things like, you know, your show and and to hopefully, you know, have somebody hear, hear it that needs it. For sure. Well, we're thankful for, as a veteran within the veterans community, we're so thankful for everything that Travis is doing, his leadership to our generation and other generations and the motivation that he's providing for us. It's just amazing. And with, with people like you at the helm, it's incredible, you know, to, to, to get, to make this all happen for everybody. So have a great day and thank you, Emma, for, for joining us as well. <laughs> Best baby on the planet. Pretty good. <laughs> she was, she was wonderful. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks thank so you, much. Thank you, Kelly. Have a great okay. Day. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Kelly Roseberry, the program director and physical therapist at the Travis Mills Foundation and their Veterans Retreat located in Rome, Maine. It's an incredible story, really. I just uh, love that foundation so much. It's really one of, we have so many great ones in Maine. Again, we have a six-part series here where we're talking to many of our, our veteran service organizations. But the Travis Mills Foundation uh, is, is just one of our absolute best in terms of its motivation, its origin, its leadership, its organization, 
it's just a, a class act all the way through, and they're serving hundreds of our recalibrated warriors throughout the country. So this is uh, Colonel Jack Mosier, retired. Uh, next program, we'll be talking, I, I'm hoping to get uh, Paul House from House in the Woods up in Lee, Maine, another registered Maine guide, talking to him about the, the service that he provides up there at House in the Woods. And until then, have a great week. Take care of each other out here.